One of the little pitfalls we have to be careful of as Christians is uh, familiarity breeds contempt. And what we mean by that is you get so used to something that it doesn't mean what it used to mean to you anymore. You just sort of take it for granted. You know, we do that with our health, don't we? We just kind of live day by day. We eat what we want, usually junk food. You know, we get to bed too late sort of thing. We don't get any exercise. We, you know, our bodies seem to be fine. Then one day they're not fine. One day we've got to run to the doctor and he makes tests and now things change. And we take our health for granted until it's not there. And then we say, oh boy, I wish I, I wish I could go back, you know, and stop eating junk food. I wish I could go back and do exercise. I wish I could go back and take more care of, of my body. And um, that's, that's where the saying familiarity breeds contempt. You sort of, you just take it for granted. Unfortunately, we do that with a lot of things. We do that with our loved ones too. But something that um, we have to be always guarding on is um, Christ died for us. That is so important. That truth, that truth is a life changer. That Christ actually died for us. And um, with that in mind, I'd like us to follow along in Matthew 27. Have your Bible there, please. Follow. If you didn't bring a Bible, there should be one in front of you. Grab it. And uh, follow along, please. Uh, I'll read. Uh, now, of course, this is Friday morning. When the morning was come, all the chief priests and elders of the people took counsel against Jesus to put him to death. And when they had bound him, they led him away and delivered him to Pontius Pilate, the governor. Then Judas, which had betrayed him when he saw that he was condemned, repented himself. And brought again the 30 pieces of silver to the chief priests and elders saying, I have sinned in that I have betrayed the innocent blood. And they said, what is that to us? See thou to that. And he cast down the pieces of silver in the temple and departed and went and hanged himself. And the chief priests took the silver pieces and said, it is not lawful to put them for to put them into the treasury because it is the price of blood. And they took counsel and bought with them the potter's field to bury strangers in. Wherefore, that field was called the field of blood unto this day. Then was fulfilled that which was spoken by Jeremy the prophet, saying, And they took the thirty pieces of silver, the price of him that was valued, whom they of the children of Israel did value, and gave them for the potter's field as the Lord appointed me. And Jesus stood before the governor and the governor asked him, saying, Art thou the king of the Jews? And Jesus said unto him, Thou sayest. And when he was accused of the chief priests and elders, he answered nothing. Then said Pilate unto him, Hearest thou not how many things they witness against thee? And he answered him never to a word, insomuch that the governor marveled greatly. Now at that feast, the governor was wont to release unto the people a prisoner whom they would. And they had then a notable prisoner called Barabbas. Therefore, when they were gathered together, Pilate said unto them, Whom will ye that I release unto you, Barabbas or Jesus, which is called Christ? For he knew that for envy they had delivered him. 
When he was set down on the judgment seat, his wife sent unto him, saying, Have thou nothing to do with that just man? For I have suffered many things this day in a dream because of him. But the chief priests and elders persuaded the multitude that they should ask Barabbas and destroy Jesus. The governor answered and said unto them, Whether of the twain will ye that I release unto you? They said, Barabbas. Pilate saith unto them, What shall I do then with Jesus, which is called Christ? They all say unto him, Let him be crucified. And the governor said, Why? What evil hath he done? But they cried out the more, saying, Let him be crucified. When Pilate saw that he could prevail nothing, but that rather a tumult was made, a tumult is a swelling of noise, he took water and washed his hands before the multitude, saying, I am innocent of the blood of this just person. See ye to it. Then answered all the people and said, His blood be on us and on our children. Then released he Barabbas unto them. And when he had scourged Jesus, he delivered him to be crucified. Then the soldiers of the governor took Jesus into the common hall and gathered unto him the whole band of soldiers. And they stripped him and put on him a scarlet robe. And when they had... Uh, platted a crown of thorns. They put it upon his head and a reed in his right hand. And they bowed the knee before him and mocked him, saying, Hail, King of the Jews! And they spit upon him and took the reed and smote him on the head. And after that they had mocked him. They took the robe off from him and put his own raiment on him and led him away to crucify him. And as they came out, they found a man of Cyrene, Simon by name. Him they compelled to bear his cross. And when they were come unto a place called Golgotha, that is to say, a place of a skull, they gave him vinegar to drink mingled with gall. And when he had tasted thereof, he would not drink. And they crucified him and parted his garments casting lots, that it might be fulfilled, which was spoken by the prophet. They parted my garments among them, and upon my vesture did they cast lots. And sitting down, they watched him there, and set up over his head his accusation written, This is Jesus, the King of the Jews. Then were there two thieves crucified with him, one on the right hand, the other on the left. And they that passed by reviled him, wagging their heads and saying, Thou that destroyest the temple and buildest it in three days, save thyself. If thou be the Son of God, come down from the cross. Likewise, also the chief priests mocking him and with the scribes and elders said, He saved others, himself he cannot save. If he be the king of Israel, let him now come down from the cross, and we will believe him. He trusted in God. Let him deliver him now, if he will have him. For he said, I am the Son of God. The thieves also, which were crucified with him, cast the same in his teeth. Now from the sixth hour there was darkness over all the land unto the ninth hour. 
And about the ninth hour, Jesus cried with a loud voice, saying, Eli, Eli, lama sabachthani? That is to say, my God, my God, why hast thou forsaken me? Some of them that stood there when they heard that said, This man calleth for Elias. And straightway one of them ran and took a sponge and filled it with vinegar and put it on a reed and gave him to drink. The rest said, Let be, let us see whether Elias will come to save him. Jesus, when he had cried again with a loud voice, yielded up the ghosts. And behold, the veil of the temple was rent in twain from the top to the bottom. And the earth did quake, and the rocks rent. And the graves were opened, and many bodies of the saints which slept arose, and came out of the graves after his resurrection, and went into the holy city, and appeared unto many. Now when the centurion, and they that were with him, watching Jesus, saw the earthquake, and those things that were done, they feared greatly, saying, Truly, this was the Son of God. And many women were there beholding afar off, which followed Jesus from Galilee, ministering unto him, among which was Mary Magdalene, and Mary the mother of James and Joseph, and the mother of Zebedee's children. When the even was come, there came a rich man of Arimathea named Joseph, who also himself was Jesus' disciple. He went to Pilate and begged the body of Jesus, then Pilate commanded the body to be delivered. And when Joseph had taken the body, he wrapped it in a clean linen cloth and laid it in his own new tomb, which he had hewn out in the rock. And he rolled a great stone to the door of the sepulcher and departed. And there was Mary Magdalene and the other Mary sitting over against the sepulcher. We'll pause there. Often we get busy in our lives and we, we forget. There's a Savior who died for us. He gave his all for us. Would we be willing to give our all for him? I'll tell you this, that over the last 2,000 years, countless millions of Christian men, women, and young people have literally given their lives in the service of Jesus Christ. Some on the foreign mission field some laboring at home and in local churches. Some have lived for Jesus in countries where the government was absolutely against Christianity. And many have been arrested, tortured, put to death. There are millions and millions and millions of believers in heaven tonight that got there by way of the gallows, by way of a sword, or spear, or even a cross. Some were thrown to the lions. Some were made sport of in the Colosseum until they finally died. Jesus gave his all for us. That's why we're here. That's why we have a hope in heaven. He died and on the third day he rose again. That's why Christians meet on Sundays. Because we call it the Lord's Day. He rose from the grave on, on the third day. Well, we can hardly wait to get to heaven and see our Savior. What a day that will be.
But we're not there yet. And as we live day by day, we're tempted to forget that the whole platform, the whole basis of our Christian lives and our hope in heaven is right here before us. That Jesus died for us. And it was not a quick death either. If somehow Jesus could have satisfied the demands of divine justice by taking a quick bullet to the brain or being pushed off a cliff or even a hangman's noose, I'm sure that's what would have happened. But divine justice required the worst that man had to offer, and that was the cross. And he suffered, and we'll never know how much he suffered. I have a little movie I want to show you by a man named Stephen Miller. And Stephen Miller put together a small little clip. It's about four minutes long. I'd like you to watch it with me. He talks about the cross and the crucifixion. He's done a lot of study on this. So let's, let's try and be nice and quiet. And let's watch this, not just with our eyes, but with our, our souls. Okay? Hi, I'm Stephen M. Miller. I write books about the Bible. I think most folks know that the Romans crucified people. They crucified people they thought threatened the Roman way of life. And they did it to send a message. Don't mess with Rome. Crucifixion wasn't just a slow and painful way to die. It was shameful, reserved for the worst offenders. The Bible talks a bit about what it was like to go through a crucifixion. Soldiers took Jesus into their headquarters. They stripped him, spit on him, grabbed a stick and struck him. Pilate had Jesus flogged with a lead-tipped whip. The soldiers wove a crown of thorns and put it on his head, and they put a purple robe on him. Hail, King of the Jews, they mocked as they slapped him across the face. Carrying the cross by himself, he went to the place called Place of the Skull, Golgotha. There, they nailed him to the cross. Bible writers weren't the only ones talking about crucifixion. So did the Romans, in gritty detail. I don't think many people know what the Romans had to say about crucifixions they saw with their own eyes in the days when Jesus was alive. He was whipped until his bones showed. Each criminal who goes to execution must carry his own cross on his back. Sixteen men were paraded out, chained together by the foot and neck, each carrying his own cross. The executioners added this grim public spectacle to the punishment as an extra deterrent to anyone thinking about committing the same crime. Some hang their victims upside down, some impale them through the private parts, others stretch out their hands onto forked poles. Is there such a thing as a person who would actually prefer wasting away in pain on a cross, dying limb by limb, one drop of blood at a time, rather than dying quickly? Would any human being willingly choose to be fastened to that cursed tree, especially after the beating that left him deathly weak, deformed, swelling with vicious welts on shoulders and chest, and struggling to draw every last agonizing breath? Anyone facing such a death would plead to die rather than mount the cross. Reliable witnesses saw the man being dragged to the cross while crying out that he was a Roman citizen 
and you, Varys, confirmed that he did cry out that he was a Roman citizen, yet you sent him to a most cruel and shameful death anyhow. Every day, Roman soldiers caught 500 Jews or more. The soldiers, driven by their hatred of the Jews, nailed them to crosses. They nailed them in many different positions to entertain themselves and to horrify the Jews watching this spectacle from inside the walled city of Jerusalem. In time, the soldiers ran out of wood for crosses and room for crosses even if they had found more wood. Romans didn't just write about crucifixion. They reported the crucifixion of Jesus. Jesus actually shows up in Roman history books and letters written during his own century. There was a wise man called Jesus, a good person who could work wonders. He attracted many followers, Jews and non-Jews. Pilate, at the request of our leaders, sentenced him to death by crucifixion. Nero blamed the fire that destroyed much of Rome. On a group of people he found so disgusting that he ordered them tortured in horrifying ways. They were Christians. They got their name from Christus, a man who suffered the ultimate penalty at the hands of a procurator, Pontius Pilate, when Tiberius was emperor of Rome. The fact that Jesus lived and was crucified isn't just a story in the Bible, Christian scholars say. It's written into Roman history. The communion service at church remembers that. That's what it is we remember. Now take your Bible, please, and open to the New Testament book of 1 Corinthians and chapter 11. First Corinthians chapter 11, beginning in verse 23, the Apostle Paul wrote, For I have received of the Lord Jesus that which also I delivered unto you, that the Lord Jesus the same night in which he was betrayed took bread, and when he had given thanks, he brake it and said, Take, eat, this is my body which is broken for you. This do in remembrance of me. After the same manner also, he took the cup when he had supped, saying, This cup is the New Testament in my blood. This do ye as oft as ye drink it in remembrance of me. For as often as ye eat this bread and drink this cup, ye do show the Lord's death till he come. Here at Grace Baptist Church, once a month, we try to take time and have uh, the table of the Lord to remember his death. This is why we do it, uh, to show his death. It says, till he come. Jesus is coming. We think his coming is very close. And so we'll continue to do what we're doing until he come. It's important that we remember this. 
There are things in life that are not very pleasant and we usually choose to forget about them. We try to put them out of our minds. This is something very unpleasant, but we're, we cannot afford to put it out of our minds. We cannot afford to forget. Because when you and I begin to forget about the death Christ died and his sacrifice for you and for me, then we will begin to get our eyes off the Lord. And there's only one other place we can put our eyes and that's on the world. And our lives will go down. We need to remember that Jesus died for us. And if we can bear that in mind every day, it will it'll constrain us to live for Jesus, to look past what this world has to offer, the promises and the tinsel and the, the glory of this world, and look past all that junk and look to a reward in heaven. I know that Christians are often tempted with the things of the world, money being one of them, and uh, Christians are not above temptation. We ought not to be involved with the, the lotto. They have winners of 10 million, 60 million, 100 million dollars and things. And sometimes Christians get involved with those things. You know, if you, if you did win, that would be the worst thing that ever happened to you. That would ruin your life, ruin your testimony. You couldn't really... Serve the Lord, you'd be bound up with worldly possessions and you'd have to spend the rest of your life looking after them. And supposing you won $10 million and the very next day Jesus comes back and takes you home. Boy, that's not good. So we need to remember the death Christ died. And so once a month we try to, to do just that. Now, we're told in the same chapter here, verse 28, let a man examine himself, and so let him eat of that bread and drink of that cup. Now, we don't police the table. We don't go up to people and say, uh, hey, I'm not sure you're saved. Give me some evidence you're saved, and then we'll, we'll let you partake. No, you have to judge yourself. We put the warning out. If you're here and you don't, think you're going to heaven, don't partake. If you're not sure you're going to heaven, don't partake. If you know for sure you're not going to heaven, don't partake. If you love the world more than you love heaven and Jesus, don't partake. <laughs> you get the idea? Uh, there's more reasons not to partake than there is to partake. And it even says here in verse 30, for this cause many are weak and sickly among you and many sleep. Did you know that Many people have died from taking communion when they shouldn't have. Did you know that? Did you know that some people actually get sick from taking communion when they shouldn't? Because by taking communion, what you're saying to everyone here, and most importantly to, to Jesus Christ, is that I'm saved, I've received you as my Savior, and I'm living my life for you. And if that's not 100% true, and you partake... And think, oh, no one will know. I'll tell you, someone who knows, that's Jesus. And that's why this warning is put in the scripture here for us. Now, none of us are as perfect as we'd like to be. But there is a difference between a saved and an unsaved person. And even amongst the saved, there's a difference between a saved person who is trying to live his or her life for Jesus Christ and a saved person who really doesn't care who really has more interest in the things this world has to offer, more interest in that than the things that Jesus has to offer. 
And such a Christian who partakes will probably get sick. So, it's, it, it, again, there's a, a warning on the label. Unless you're saved and you're living for the Lord, don't partake, okay? It's for your, your own good. Now, we do need to pause and bow our heads and close our eyes. We, all of us, we, we do need to pause for prayer and take a couple of moments and ask the Lord, is there anything in my life, Lord, that's not pleasing in your sight? Now is the time to do it. Maybe today or even this week, God has been speaking to you about something in your life. Now is the time to make things right with the Lord. If you're here and you're not sure heaven is your home, now is the time to ask the Lord, show me, Lord, how can I know for sure? How can I know for sure? So the music will play. And let's just be quiet, not disturb our neighbor. And let's pray the best we know how, each and every one of us, for the next minute or two.